This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 763, January 4th, 2022. We reached a high of 47 degrees on this day just a couple of years ago, 2019. And 32 below was the record low in 1884. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. What is it? It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushere. We had the inauguration last night of the mayor of St. Paul, Melvin Carter. Oh. And the Pioneer Press version of the story does not really give us an indication of how well attended the ceremony might have been. Interesting. The Star Tribune version of the story, both papers featured this on the front page, said that he was, uh, uh, that this took place before dozens of supporters. That's how many? Dozens. Dozens of supporters. Uh, that's not very many, and I don't think that would have bothered Melvin. Does that include staff members, or is that I just... I think it was a, probably a lot of his staff and a lot of the usual suspects like Betty McCollum. And would the, COVID have played a role in that? I, I would imagine so. Come on, so. we're trying to help him out. Surrounded there. by dozens of bundled up, socially distanced supporters, ah. a masked Carter took his oath oath of office on stage with his family before an inaugural address that included one of the mayor's mantras in recent months. Today's challenges cannot be conquered with yesterday's tools. Uh, uh, what class, does that mean? Class, uh, hmm. Can anyone decipher that for me? I can't. Re- I, repeat that sentence. With my best decoder down. ring, I couldn't do it. Today's challenges cannot be conquered with yesterday's tools. Oh, so what we need to do, we just, it, it's change. Well, it's like his reimagining of policing, for example. Sure, that which, worked well, didn't which it? Which can't be reimagined. Hmm. Uh, the task before us is nothing short of inventing and carrying forward a model of city building that reflects these realities from existential tasks like securing safer neighborhoods and revitalizing our economy to the simple ceremonial ritual of installing a mayor, Carter said. The compound crisis punctuated by this pandemic demand the risk and discomfort of uncharted trails. You decipher that one for me. Yeah. Okay, and then in the Pioneer Press version of the story, you get this quote. Uh, The mayor in his inauguration speech said the COVID-19 public health crisis and the 2020 riots following the death of George Floyd... Uh, underscored the need to adopt progressive new approaches to government service. I I disagree. Uh, Carter highlighted his efforts to open college savings accounts for 6,000 St. Paul newborns to date and launch a $500 monthly guaranteed income pilot project for 150 families and forgive library fines 
for all residents with overdue books. And here's a quote that, that really had me thinking along the Garage Logic service road of life. Okay. The promise of government for the people can only be realized in a city where the voices of the vulnerable ring every bit as powerfully as the petitions of the privileged. Okay. That's a noble statement. Yes. That's a noble sentiment, but let's break it down. The promise of government for the people can only be realized in a city where the voices of the vulnerable ring every bit as powerfully as the petitions of the privileged. I don't know what is meant by the petitions of the privileged. You know exactly what he means. No, by I that. don't know what that means. That means that just because you, oh, I don't know, have a family or have a, have a have a career, make money for your family. Right. Well, that doesn't mean that your voice counts or counts any more or or less than than the than the guy that doesn't have that. But time out. He hasn't been listening to those people, the business leaders. He's been a pretty distant man. Uh, yes, he hasn't to the to the point where there's a letter sent saying we need help. We have staff that needs to go cook the lunches in the lunchroom for the people that are on the fifteenth floor, mm-hmm. and they're they're coming to school uh, to work on all sorts of public trans. He's not listening to the privileged. Well, this is what uh, he's not listening to anybody. This sure. is the light bulb that went off in my meager brain when I read that quote. And I think it's true of uh, the mayors. The closer you get to the 12 uh, cities in America where their murder rates are the highest and have set records, including St. Paul, the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, the cities are in tremendous decline and tremendous danger. What I think, there's a fatal flaw in Melvin's statement, however noble it sounds. He gives as much credit and reverence to the people who don't achieve and don't have a, a card in the game okay. to the people who do. Is that his quote where he says, we need to listen to the underprivileged as much as the, or the people that have nothing yeah, to do? Yeah, the voices of the vulnerable uh, ring every bit as powerfully as the petitions of the privileged. The problem with that is... The, the vulnerable are not contributing to the uh, civic and financial health of the city. They're That's not a, contributing. It's a big distinction. It's a big difference. And, and so what you're doing, however, I think intentionally, is you're admonishing the, uh, the, the privileged. For they, they have had the audacity to succeed. They have had the audacity mm-hmm. to work and hold jobs and raise families and How keep, dare their, you? keep their neighborhoods intact. And Own here property. we have, and here we have uh, in our midst people who don't do that, and they need okay. to be heard as much as you people. Okay, that's fine, but what are they contributing? I suppose I would be considered a tremendous racist for pointing this out. Uh, well, race has nothing to do. Well, with of course it. it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. And so. He comes up with, you know, $15 minimum wage and ongoing efforts at reimagining public safety and a burgeoning, and he's got a real rent control problem on his hands because he screwed it up. Oh, oh, by the way, $15 an hour jobs that people don't want. Right, and you could get a job for 30 bucks an hour if you want to work. Easily if you wanted to work. People are so desperate for employees right now because no one in this country wants to work anymore. The progressives like Carter believe that the people who don't put in an effort are just as credible as the people who do. Yes. And I just can't see the, that's just, that just can't become my worldview. I can't, I can't attribute to uh, the people who don't work and don't achieve 
I can't attribute to them the same credibility that I would attribute to the people who do mm-hmm. work and achieve. And I think Carter is very dismissive of virtually most of the neighborhoods in St. Paul. He seems intently devoted to a constituency that uh, got him elected and has no interest in participating in the commercial health of the city. Right. Now, I just looked up Ecolab Foundation. Ecolab's a major player downtown St. Paul. Maybe one of the few left. Right. (laughs) 2020 impact. $23 million given to local communities. $5 million of this total was granted to organizations that provided COVID relief, supported basic jobs. So a lot of these, a Securian I haven't found yet, but those companies have slush funds to help the needy, and they're doing it. These are successful businesses that are community-minded, and they're giving the money away. Now, Mayor Carter wants to do all these programs with raising taxes. Well, you can't well, do that. Well, let's bring in the word that is being thrown about every day. The closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, we must achieve equity. And the way Carter would do it is wholly artificial, capricious, and uh, arbitrary. Uh, He would create equity by taking from the people who do provide and giving it to the people who don't. That's Marxism. That's all it is. From each, what's the saying? From uh, each candidate will no from from those who have to those who don't, or whatever the hell the Marxist thing was. But it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You will not have a flowering city. There's, there was no need to come in here and reinvent the city. <laughs> That's what, what he thinks he's doing. He's not reinventing anything as the city declines rapidly before his very eyes. There was a hell of a piece in the Star Tribune editorial page today written by a guy named uh, Andy Brem, uh, who is a corporate lawyer. And the headline is, Minnesota in decline needs a turnaround. And then the text of his piece might as well be an episode of Garage Logic. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a well-written piece. Uh, and, and he's right on the money, but it's just an episode of our show. It's, it's what we've been talking about for three years. From each according to his ability to each according to his needs. Well, isn't that what he's saying? He is. In and, essence, isn't that what he's saying when he says the promise of government for the people can only be realized in a city where the voices of the vulnerable, the need, Needy. ring every bit as powerfully as the petitions of the privileged, those who, those who can provide the need. Well, it's proven not to work. It doesn't work. I mean, this look where we are right now without Marxism, socialism, all that. People don't want to work in this capitalistic society. No. By the way, um, I was looking this up while you were reading that piece, Joe. You lamented the fact that only 36,426 people voted for Melvin. Mm -hmm. He got 61% of the the voter turnout. Mm -hmm. Do you realize that in 2017, he had... 31,000 votes? Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I did. I don't. I could Compared have looked to what? it up. He had 36 this this past election. Mm-hmm. In 17, he had 31,000. And in 2013, Chris Coleman got 78% of the vote yeah. with 23,000 votes. Uh, the apathy is... That's your, that's your problem in St. Paul. The apathy is overwhelming. The apathy is your issue right now. <laughs> it's your issue, not mine, bro. Right. See you. Uh... Okay, well, in 2009, 
Chris Coleman had 7,791 votes, 67%. Well, then who, who in the hell is voting? Nobody. You. I did. Twice. Wow. Well, apparently they're not voting twice. There's no numbers. The voting was pathetic. Uh, and and I, I don't know what to do about it. Uh, what must be done, of course, is completely new leadership that gets us back to what works. Melvin what works? is what works? one of the reasons Melvin is destroying the city, and same with Fry and uh, who's the mayor in Chicago? Lori Lightfoot. Lightfoot and uh, Seattle, Portland. One of the reasons they're so destructive is that they keep creating problems that will not go away. I'm, I'm sorry, programs that will not go away. It will continue to need to be funded and funded and funded until you bleed out the privilege who have provided this funding. And then what, what do you have? Remember what the mayor of San Francisco said when she had an awakening? What's yes. her uh, uh, breed? Breed love? Uh, Dang it, I have it right here. Is it Breedlove? No, her last name Laurel is... Breedlove. Uh, I'll get it for me. Get it for me. And I'll paraphrase what she London said. Breed. London Breed. Yes. What she, and she was a, she's a progressive, and she had some... Somebody got to her, shook her by the lapels, and said, get your act together. She came out and said, we owe it to the taxpayers who have generously provided this money. No, it's been taken from them. Correct. Uh, breed. Uh, uh, but at least she was saying, uh, we have to strengthen policing. We've got to get rid of the crime. We've got to get back to basics. And she acknowledged the people who are paying the freight. So this morning, I'm glad you brought this up. I was reading a piece. Yeah, I know. You find that shocking. That's fine. The top states that people moved away from in 2021. So mm -hmm. what they did was the amount of people that moved to subtracted from the amount of people that left, right? Right. 71% outbound percentage for New Jersey. 67% for Illinois, 63% yep. for New York, 60% for California. Yeah. If that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what will. And outbound here was more than inbound in Minnesota. I believe it was. I but, don't have that But percentage. that talk is meaningless to me. Why? Uh, well, I'm at, for example, I'm in no position to just leave. I guess no, but I doesn't could, it go but... to show you that people are fed up at, to a certain degree with that type of leadership? Yeah, but the people who are leaving apparently have the not only have the means to leave, but but can leave. have the permission. Yeah. Right. That's which is sometimes the toughest thing to get, even if you have the means. Well, I, I, it's... Well, it's, here's why I wanted to bring it up, Joe, because the top five in the, in the other category, Vermont, South Dakota, South Carolina, West Virginia, and Florida mm -hmm. were the most moved mm -hmm. to states. And Texas would be in there. And Texas was... Tennessee yes, would right. be in there. Yep. Uh, and that's great. But this talk of, well, one more liberal program in St. Paul and I'm moving, that's that's empty BS because someone's going to buy your house. Right. So what if you haven't accomplished anything except you got yourself out of the mess? Sure, but yeah. isn't it all about me? Yes. Yeah. Because maybe that person then that buys that house does like the progressive ide ideology and the progressive thinking of someone like Melvin Carter. Hmm. I, I keep thinking of the woman who got carjacked on the 700 block of Osceola which is between uh, Avon and Grotto. Uh, it couldn't be a nicer block in the city of St. Paul. Right. Uh, it's one of my favorite blocks to walk. People that, people that own those houses that are century-plus old houses have purchased them, paid an amazing amount of property taxes, then put money into them 
to fix them up and, mm-hmm. and update them, only to have their taxes go sky high because the tax assessor comes. Okay. The, the point I was going to make is I don't know the political leanings of the people who live on that block. Uh, I, do, I don't know the political leanings of the people who live in Crocus Hill. But if they're woke, you know, if they're on top of this progressive BS, this could have been a wake-up call for them. I hope it is. Because these these crimes of opportunity are not limited to any neighborhood in St. Paul. They're everywhere no, now. No, they're mm-hmm. everywhere. And they're in broad daylight. It's not just on the east side. It's not on West 7th uh, uh, downtown. They're everywhere. And, the, and, the, and the, the point this fellow in the Star Tribune drove home, this attorney named... Bream. Andy Brem, or Bream, B-R-E-H-M, Brem. Great piece, but he nailed it. He he said basically what I said yesterday upon returning from Florida. This place doesn't feel like it's happening. The downtowns are uninviting. Mm -hmm. They're not bustling. But a little bit of that is the time of the year, too. Yeah, but think back. They used to bustle at Christmas time. Think back. Going to Nan's. Uh, to go get the big wanderer, going to Barney's Underground, I mean, going to Glick's. Mm-hmm. We all, I wasn't a big college partier, but all the college kids. You're making up for it, though. Right, I'm making up for it now. <laughs> but all the college kids did go down there for the Nankin. That's what yeah. it was called. I mean, it was it was a hip happening place. You you would go and hang out, and then you felt safe to go home. To. I remember the one summer that I lived in St. Paul, every, every night downtown west 7th and whatever it was all there was always something going yeah, on it always. was fun carter's That's what uh, was happening go ahead carter's inauguration by the way was at the como pavilion i don't know if i mentioned that it's, it was outdoors yeah and, the como and, pavilion they haven't even had right the como pavilion is should be um should be equal should to be sea happening. salt yeah. it's mini haha yep. park and i'll give minneapolis this sea salt is a is a restaurant where you can go get a beer and sit around mini haha falls and get a great fish sandwich or whatever they have they salt. have not done that on the como pavilion right. they have too many rules and regulations too many restaurants have said i i can't it's pull this one it. off yep. i hope you've started your new off uh, your new year off right at EcoFun Motorsports on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. As a 21st-er, I can assure you that oh. we are well into spring. It'll be electric bike riding season before you know it, and same with all those gas-powered scooters that turn every urban errand into an adventure. Uh, full line of Yamaha products. They'll get your sled ready for winter. Yamaha and Bintelli electric bikes. Snowmobile servicing, youth ATVs, great youth recreational equipment, great service department, great pickup and delivery program. Uh, it's a really a great way to get your new year started off with a visit to uh, well, all Yamaha clothing available, too, and the hats. And, nice. And you're going to be riding before you know it. That's at EcoFun Motorsports. It's on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. So when they formed Polka Dot Dairy all the way back in 1956, you, you got to wonder, did Wally Pettit and Herb Koch really think uh, that their tiny little dairy distribution business would be uh, around all these years later? Uh, and they, there they are, uh, right on Highway 61. And we're going to be talking more about Polka Dot Dairy products in the next year. But this week, uh, we're talking about the most GL-friendly workplace around 
Polka Dot Dairy. They're looking for truckloaders at their Hastings facility. The shifts are Sunday through Thursday afternoon. Starting salary, are you ready for this? 48000 Now, this is going to be dock work, so you don't need a CDL license. Just a great attitude and the need to work on a great team with a bunch of GLers. There is physical lifting requirements, so if you're a strong man or gal, uh, you're the one that they're looking for. Get yourself a great job. Apply at polkadotdairy.com slash jobs. It's a great company. You make 48 k and you get to work with a bunch of GLers. Polkadotdairy.com slash jobs. It's time for your New Year's resolution. We all spent a lot of money during the holidays, and I can help you save some money, too. Do what I did. Call the Canopy Group. They shopped over 16 insurance companies, increased my coverage greatly, and saved me over $600 annually. I procrastinated and wish I had done this a decade earlier. Now I'm part of the Canopy Group's annual process. I do not have the time, interest, or knowledge to shop 16 different companies for my home and auto insurance. Do me and yourself a favor. Don't procrastinate. Make this your New Year's resolution. Call the Canopy Group and get the best insurance coverage and save money. You will be off to a wonderful new year. Go to thecanopygroup.com. That's thecanopygroup.com. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. We learned yesterday by reviewing the news from the week we were absent between Christmas and New Year's that uh, Ray Conley, the Green Line thug, uh, received a very light sentence from a judge named Elena L. Osby. Yeah. Uh, she was appointed as a district court judge, second judicial district, by Governor Tim Pawlenty in 2004. In 2006, 2012, and 2018, Judge Osby was elected to six-year terms. So I would imagine she's up for election again in 2024. Okay. Uh, she's a graduate of the University of Minnesota Law School, and she's uh, quite uh, quite the resume. Uh, she wasn't was in private practice. No, uh, oh, be okay. that Palenti uh, plucked her out, but she's been involved in uh, dozens and dozens of community activities. Member of the St. Paul JCs. She's been listed in the bar register of preeminent lawyers. She has teaching and lecturing experience, and I. It took me a while, and it required patience on my part, to uh, get as far as her law clerk on the phone today. Okay. Because that bureaucracy in Ramsey County can just lead you down the rabbit well hole. Well padded, huh? Well padded. And I finally got to Judge Osby's law clerk, who, of course, didn't answer the phone. So I got his voicemail mm -hmm. and identified myself and said, I'd like to ask uh, uh, Judge Osby about her sentencing of Ray Conley, uh, the Green Line criminal. And I left my number, mm -hmm. and now a pronoun or no? Did you leave your pronoun? Or I, no? I just said my regular name. Okay, and I I I, uh, I anticipate. Uh, well, who knows? I might get a call from her. Never know. You never know. But I'm not going to hold my breath. No, I wouldn't either. But in her case, uh, for all I know, she's been a stalwart in putting people behind bars. Okay. I have a no idea. A pointy? Uh, yeah. Uh, we don't know huh. that. But uh, I guess what what I'd want to know from her is why did you release this fellow back out into the streets and put me and my friends in danger? 
Everyone, yeah. Everyone in danger. I, I don't know what you're seeing. And uh, I would like to have her tell us that. And I'm sure it could be as technical as, well, according to the point system, you got to add this, do this, and do this, and do this. And But he could have received six and a half years. Right. And, and he all have. he did is get put on another probation he'll violate. You already have yeah. evidence, Judge, that he's a, a, a career parole violator. And would it... I was thinking about this, I told you this earlier, but I was thinking about this more later in the day, and I was getting angry with with, with as much thought as I was putting into it. Is it simply just going to take one of these judges to have something happen directly to them or a child of theirs or a family member of theirs for, their, for them to change their thinking? It's more complicated than that. What has to change is the whole mindset of the prosecuting attorneys and the district attorneys. They, they have to have a mindset where they realize that they have created an unsafe situation on the streets of the city the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. And you have to start putting these people away. These people keep uh, carjacking because they realize there's no consequence for it. None whatsoever. Now, I've been alerted to a piece that was in the Chicago Sun-Times. Oh, by the way, did you? I don't know if you were going to bring this up. I only saw this because the Reverend had reposted this. Did you see the two guys that were shot by the Lyft driver that was armed when they tried to carjack him yesterday afternoon? No, how much trouble is the Lyft driver in? I don't know, but I don't think either one of them is going to die as a Mm -hmm. result of that. But it just goes to show you... Maybe that's the only thing that's going to really deter carjackers from it from attempting to the surprise. Boom. Yeah, and and like what? Yeah, like Joe said, what's going to happen to the person that does that? Chicago and other cities have been grappling with a sharp rise in carjackings, including here. Sun Times reporter Frank Maine interviewed a carjacker about what kind of cars get targeted, why people commit these crimes, and his advice on how not to become a victim. The West Side man who was in his 30s and has convictions for car theft spoke on the condition of anonymity. The interview has been edited for space and clarity. Question, why do you think there's been a spike in carjackings in Chicago? Answer, mainly most of it is because people are stealing cars to use in drive-bys or joyriding. Number one being drive-bys, whether they want to do a drive-by shooting or whether they want to do kidnappings, hold somebody for ransom or just do simple robberies. He says young carjackers like to joyride and do drive-by shootings in stolen high-end Jeep Cherokee models like SRTs and Trackhawks, Dodge Challengers and Chargers with supercharged Hellcat engines, Porsches and Mercedes-Benz. He said the nickname in the carjacking world for these types of vehicles is the fast bleep. It's the S word. The fast stuff. Got it. But the man also notes that carjackers are increasingly stealing vehicles for their parts, like catalytic converters and their motors, which they sell on the black market. Question. Why would you want a charger for a drive-by shooting when someone could say there's an orange car with a black stripe on it and identify that car in the shooting? I would think you'd want to steal a Camry or something, you you know, a less flashy car. Answer, in people's minds, they might take a bright one because if it's on the news or anywhere in the social media, they can brag and say it was them or it was somebody in their clique. That's how dumb they are. Question. The reporter says, I drive a 2012 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Should I be worried? Should I have my head on a swivel? Or does it depend what particular model I got? Answer. Well, if it's not an SRT or it doesn't look like an SRT, they don't want that Jeep. Uh, Okay. Question. So now I'm feeling safer. All right. So a really high-end Jeep then. Answer. Yeah. The Trackhawks, SRTs, Hemis, they're not even interested in those anymore. How do they do drive-by shootings in these cars? 
He describes how gang members drive into enemy territories in stolen high-end vehicles with tinted windows and at the last second roll down the windows and fire at their rivals who aren't sure whether there are people in the car, whether the people in the car are friend or foe. Hmm. Some may decide to go through a rival neighborhood, a rival gang in a high-end car with tinted windows. There's a thing where they swerve in the middle of the street. They call it jackballing. They're swerving in the street, slow, popping the music, and they will lead the people on, the rival gang, that it's one of their own until the window comes down and now they've caught them off guard and let the shots go off. That's a drive-by. Wow. It must just be the rush, the thrill of... If I'm a gang member in a certain part of town and I see a track hawk coming down the street like a brand new beautiful Jeep... Uh, I mean, I'm not at this point in my life going to be alert to the fact that it could be a bad guy that's going to shoot me. Answer, that's a thing. It could be and it could not be. They're taking the risk of do we kill our own or do we wait? Hmm. Jesus Christ, I'm praying. Question, do people in this game have any remorse for scaring the hell out of the people they've robbed or shot? Do people who do this kind of stuff have a heart? Answer, I'd say they do, but at the moment in time they're committing to act, I don't think it's on their mind. It's a hustle or a point they're trying to make or trying to prove uh, after the fact, they may be remorseful. Mm. How much of this comes from video games like Grand Theft Auto or bra- uh, bragging on social media? Answer, it doesn't. They're basically trying to keep up with society as far as rappers and entertainers and the big-time drug dealers in the neighborhood. What's the difference between young guys and older guys your age doing carjackings? Younger guys are trying to get the profit for someone else, or they'll get it for themselves to commit drive-by shootings, and then for some odd reason, they will still joyride with that car. To your knowledge, is this generally a random crime, or is there a lot of planning that goes into this? Uh, Answer, mostly random. Question, is there somebody that everybody knows in a particular neighborhood who you can sell a stolen car to? Answer, through social media, you'll hear where people want car parts. People know that's where to take the cars. Are these like private social media networks where people are able to go on them and talk without being afraid of the cops reading everything? Ironically, no, it's just wide open. Hmm. Question, because there's so much stuff on the Internet that you can't keep track of. uh, Where where, did I go here? Shoot. You can't. Like this paperwork that you can't keep track of because it's double printed on both sides and right. recycled four times order, over probably had one page upside down right because there's so much stuff on the internet that you can't keep track of all uh, is that how it works answer yes because it won't be blatant where someone says oh bring your stolen parts so just say my shop accepts catalytic converters but a person who steals cars knows what's going on they'll go there because they know that's what they actually mean they want one of those stolen converters or a motor or parts from the car mm. The police say carjackers have relationships with locksmiths to clone key fobs. Is that a common thing? Answer, you don't need a locksmith. On the dark web, you can buy your own key fob and your own key fob computer. You're kidding me. You can go under the seat to the LoJack, a stolen vehicle recovery system. Plug into the system, whether by chip or USB insert, and the computer automatically hacks into the system, disengages the LoJack, and changes the whole system to the brand new key fob you got off the dark web. Therefore, the low jack is now terminated, and the systems of that car is now switched over to the new key fob. Wow. Boy, if they work that hard at having an honest living. Get a job. What do these guys do that buy them, the auto shops? What do they do with the catalytic converters? Well, they use it to, wouldn't they use it as parts for another vehicle? And then charge someone <laughs> right. 1000 instead of 150 bucks, which is what they got it for. Hmm. What's labor. your impression of Cook County State's attorney Kim Fox and whether prosecutors are lenient or tough on this crime? A, they're not playing on carjackings. 
they are not being lenient on this crime, he said. So it sounds to me you're saying you don't believe that this giant increase in carjackings has to do with prosecutors or police going easy on carjackers or that the criminal justice system is going easy on people who commit these crimes. Is that right? True. Can you give people advice about how not to get carjacked? I mean, everyone's entitled to spending their money wisely and buying whatever they want to. It's a free country. No one should be putting someone at gunpoint and taking what they did, earned and worked hard for. But in a growing epidemic of carjacking, people shouldn't buy these cars. It's like riding around with drugs, holding them in your window right past the police. Uh, You're asking for them to take you on a high-speed chase looking for trouble. So those, those cars, the Hellcats, the Trackhawks, your SRTs, why buy them if you know that the growing epidemic is right now? But now people who read this are going to say, look, here's some guy who's blaming the crime on the victim or the car companies. Answer, well, don't be a target. I'm not blaming the crime on the victim. I'm just saying as of right now to not be a victim, stay away from the known areas and don't drive those cars in areas that, you know, people are hijacking it. And that's from the Chicago Sun-Times, the mind of a carjack. But right now, we don't know where that place is. No, we don't. What's the carjack-free zone? Exactly. Certainly not Crocus Hill or Highland Park. When you were going through the list of what people tend to blame when when it results in a carjacking, it reminded me of the time when, remember when Ilhan Omar blamed the police? Yeah. For the, 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 the fact that they weren't doing their job. That's why there was so much crime going on, which is completely laughable. But that's the mindset of some of these people. Uh, evening. I'm a listener from Rhode Island. My brother lives in the Minneapolis Burbs and turned me on to you guys. Rhode Island and Minneapolis-St. Paul are both a mess, but you guys seem to be outdoing us at the moment. Just listening to the opening 30 to 40 minutes concerning crime, courts, bail, etc. hit home. He's talking about yesterday's podcast. Mm-hmm. My wife works at the local high school. A student was killed on a highway in a hit-and-run over the weekend. When they ID'd the perp, guess what his record was? Revolving door of felonies and suspended sentences. This is Rhode Island, so everyone is only a couple of degrees of separation away. I was told by an acquaintance of a trooper that picked him up that the piece of garbage asked, what's the charge? And the trooper showed him a picture of the dead girl at the accident. This is a couple of hours after he posted he was getting wasted and was going to trash his bends. Can't make this stuff up. Check out some of the stories in the ProJo link below. Oh. Keep up the good work. Hopefully the tide will turn before too long. Fingers crossed. This is Ted Hanley in Bristol, Rhode Island. Isn't that something? Mm. What's the charge? Was this? Wow. What's the charge? Probably knew Very, uh, several uh, different charges what the uh Well, remember the guy on 280, Joe, we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. Wasn't he a doctor? He was rear-ended by the guy oh, up going in New, up in New Brighton. Yeah. I thought it was off 280. Well, Lexington. W- whatever. But he he was the, the car was damaged to the point where it was severed in half. Right. That's how fast that thug was going. Uh, this is from Barry. Joe, you have rightly lamented that the bail reform uh, has been an abysmal failure and the perps of the recent crime wave are not first-time offenders. The county prosecutors, John Choi and the like, as well as judges, should simply look at the empirical data. Criminal suspects released on multiple felony bonds in Texas' most populous county, Harris County, have killed 156 people since 2018, according to victim advocates who have criticized bail reform efforts that have some seen some people charged with violent crimes and released back onto the streets only to violently reoffend. In Harris County, home to Houston, there are 113 defendants charged with capital murder that have been granted bond. Uh, Rada Mancarius, CEO of Crime Stoppers of Houston, told Fox News. 
The group has been tracking statistics in the midst of a change in bond policies. We were seeing really violent, violent, habitual offenders being released on either no bond or ridiculously low bonds, and we said this is going to wreak havoc, Mancarius said. It's the epicenter of our bail reform run amok. Joe, those statistics mean over the past three years, felons on bond release have killed an average of one person every week for three years. Mm. These were people being killed. How many others were shot but lived? How many robberies or burglaries have there been at the hands of these thugs? This is just Houston. How many of Minneapolis or St. Paul's homicides have been from felon, no, or low bail release programs? When will people, especially judges and the left, look at the empirical evidence that shows the leftist policies have failed? Wake up, you euphorians. GLers need to keep pushing back and stay armed. All right. Good evening. Oh, that's the Rhode Island. How you doing? (laughs) Can't take you enough. Out out east. Listening to your podcast of yesterday, a couple of things here to add. It's a natural response to hold up Foster's mom, but when she said she didn't raise him that way and she didn't trust the cops, I had to look her up. She's got a rap sheet a mile long, too. So, yes, as a matter of fact, Mom, you did raise him that way. I also also know Rick Dusterhoff personally. He's the... uh, prosecutor in Ramsey County who quit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Our kids played hockey and baseball in Burnsville together. I just knew him as a dad for several years before someone clued me in as to what his job was. I am not surprised by his actions. That is consistent with the man of principle that I know. Good on him for going to Arizona, where he will certainly be supported as well as law enforcement officers. Stay on the trail. Somehow we need to turn back the tide and reclaim our city from the likes of Ellison and Walls. Please don't use my name or location. All right, I won't. I don't think I said anything, did I? I don't believe I so. I don't think I did. No. Okay. Uh, I don't want that one. Uh, uh, Gary in Mendota Heights writes, I was on University Avenue last week returning a rental car to the rental company. I spoke with another couple in the lobby. They were renting a car. They needed a car because their car had been stolen. They were told by the St. Paul police that the local gangs are going through the initiation process for new members and carjacking and stealing cars are one of their tests. Wow. I'm really surprised that our local media hasn't covered this or bothered to ask the question why. Maybe it's time to have Chief Axdell or Sheriff Fletcher back on the podcast. That's not true at all. What? The media has been covering... Carjacking extensively. What is he talking about? I think about? he's referring to the fact that they may be part of gang initiations. Oh, oh, that yeah. part aspect of we it. We can okay. get Fletcher I on get for you. that. Hmm. Fletcher's on to this. I mean, what, you know. well, he started his own program. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 for crying out loud. You know, can you take a break so I can get some water? We sure really? can, Joe. We sure can. Howard writes, I have a vehicle with about 90,000 on it, and it's beginning to show its age. And this week it idled momentarily and mildly rough for the first time ever. My first thought was seafoam. So I headed to the local man mall with the orange silo to get some. I found what I needed, proceeded to get in line with my two cans. The line was long, and it just so happened I got in line behind an octogenarian gentleman who had his own bottle. He saw my cans and asked me what I needed them for, which evolved into a 15-minute conversation about all the vehicles he's owned, his personal cylinder journey. He told me he started working on motors with his dad when his dad was a mechanic for Greenbelt, and the whole time I was talking to him, 
It was just like watching someone who had just entered a time machine and he was reliving key memories, like uh, like the one where he got picked up for doing 135 miles per hour. The point of the story is to say that Seafoam isn't just a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. For me, it was an entry ticket into a wonderful conversation with a great living American that I might not have had were it not for Seafoam. That's a great story, Howard. Thank you very much. A great story about a great living American. Thanks uh, thanks to you, Howard, and thanks to Seafoam for always being there. Truly a wonderful product. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. You want some good news? Please. It's about frickin' time, brother. You won the lottery. The human cost of extreme weather events is steadily declining, and the year 2021 saw a new record-low number of weather-related deaths, climate expert Bjorn Lomberg reported this weekend. Fewer and fewer people die from climate-related natural disasters, Lomborg wrote Saturday, and despite breathless climate reporting, almost 99% fewer people died in 2021 than 100 years ago. Mm. The total of 6,134 people died in weather-related events in 2021, which represents a reduction of 98.7% since the 1920s, noted Lomborg, who is president of the Copenhagen Consensus. Over the past 100 years, annual climate-related deaths have declined by more than 96%. In the 1920s, the death count from climate-related disasters was 485,000 on an average year. Wow. Well... I think what he's calling he's calling tornado though a climate related disaster. I wouldn't. No, it's that's just not. nature. That's nature. Uh, in the last full decade, twenty ten to twenty nineteen, the average was eighteen thousand dead per year, or ninety six point two percent lower than in the twenties. Hmm. Declining climate deaths is clearly the opposite of what you hear, but that's because we're often just being told of one disaster ever after another, telling us how many events are happening, he wrote. Lomberg is quick to assert his belief that global warming is a problem that we should fix, but panic from bad media reporting, scaring kids and adults does not help us be smart, he wrote, and our increased wealth and increased adaptive capacity has vastly overshadowed any potential negative impact from climate when it comes to human climate vulnerability. All right. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. What time is your apology? Of what? You know, we had eight storms uh, last Man, year, paying off. which cost America well more than eight, eight than a billion dollars per storm. Right. It's far cheaper to recognize what's coming and cure the problem ahead of time. He's winning the battle. Well, he's fighting the battle. Right. Yeah. But cure it ahead of time. <laughs> I wish somebody would have pressed him on that and said, how do you cure it? Big, We're going to keep hot air from rising. Right. A big wall, Ruck. We're going to get that tornado. You can't go around here. No. It's like the Berlin one. You cannot go around you it. You can't drive around right. it. CI girl extraordinaire Janine uh, writes, you and the misfits must make the festive monikers an annual tradition. Oh, God. Our elf names. Why? Why didn't you retrieve that email before you saw it, Reavers? <laughs> After such a difficult year, that episode made my whole week. I will definitely revisit that episode when your GL Dauber is down with bad news and I need a break from the euphoria and hell we live in. Good luck. Janine, oh. CI girl extraordinaire. Speaking of that, because um, we did get a number of emails about the elf names, including, I don't know if I told you this, Rook, but I called him that night. 
Because mm-hmm. the boys heard that, and yeah. they wanted their elf well, names. they wanted their elf names, so we had to get it. Yeah. But uh, I did get an email from Jordy in response to one of the best of episodes mm-hmm. uh, from last week. Mm-hmm. Breaking news. Mm-hmm. This is for Rookie from Jordy. Little Caesars Hot and Ready Pizza now has more pepperoni and slightly higher costs. After nearly 25 years since it first launched, Little Caesars is upping the price of its classic pepperoni and cheese hot and ready large pizza no word on the crazy bread. Wow. This will have to be investigated as we approach the anniversary of that in uh, third week in January, I, I think, think it was? so. But January 13th. I, I played it last Wednesday. Well, we don't need to replay it No, again. but you know what the best part about that entire clip was? The turning point. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember when the turning point was? When he couldn't figure out what the hell it was? No, no. when callers started saying it happened to them? The f- no, the first caller, because you were convinced that you didn't get your free crazy bed yeah. and she had given you the extra right, change. Right. But the turning point was, I believe it was even the first caller that said, sorry, Rook. The, the three meat does not qualify That's for the right. free that cream. That was a turnaround. That That's really point. see. Yeah, you got to be more knowledgeable. And Joel lost his yeah, mind. I couldn't what take the it. The hell is three meat? <laughs> I will say this though, um, <laughs> concerning uh, what were we just talking about prior to the prices of pepperoni. No, and prior to Before pizza. That oh, we were talking about climate change. The la- lack of de- or the decrease in deaths. In 2021, lost due to climate yeah, change. You lost once you once you went crazy bread on me, three meat. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, went okay. slay. It's a good thing. And all it was my and my head is filled with pepperoni and bacon and sausage right now. So I don't even care what I was going to say. Steve writes, "This will never end." I real I realize you guys don't really want to talk about COVID anymore, and neither do I. However, have you heard about this, Jim? Less than 72 hours into 2022, and we've already got a new nightmare to keep us awake at night: flu rona. The world's first verified case of double infection pairing influenza and coronavirus infections has been identified in Israel and a pregnant woman who was not vaccinated. Early in the pandemic, there were some reported cases of dual infections in the U.S. before the coronavirus was fully understood, but none were verified with the World Health Organization. The Israeli patient is said to have not known she had either virus when she went into labor late last week. She had relatively mild symptoms. The disease is the same disease. They're viral and cause difficulty breathing since both attack the upper respiratory tract. But wait, there's more. The nightmare combination of fluorona follows the emergence in Europe of Delmacron, a combination of Delta and Omicron variants in COVID-19 that has caused more severe symptoms in some patients, especially those who have not been vaccinated. And you thought we were just going to get this thing fizzled out. It ain't going away, is not it? Not a Fizzle chance. Fizzle it out. And I asked you this earlier, but we've, we're nearly two years into this, right? Mm-hmm. Why was there a 72-hour-long line wait at the Mall of America to get tested? Because this country doesn't run as smoothly as it once did. How's that for an answer? We're becoming, as I say, less sophisticated. By the way, I remember what I was going to say. When I went into uh, the airport the other day, a gal I work with, Andrea, said, uh, Hey, Twink, how you doing? And I... uh, No, she did not. Yes, she did. That's fantastic. She said, Hey, Twink. What was your elf name, Twinkle Toes? Twinkle Toes McFarty or something like that. But I shortened it to Twink, and she just said, hey, Twink. Andrea, she was feeling it that day. She was feeling it. She was feeling it that day, yeah. Joel, my wife and I flew to to Nashville last month to see the Mavericks at the Ryman Auditorium. Well, I was across the street from the Ryman Auditorium last weekend. Nice. It's an old church. Is it really? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. 
My wife and I flew to Nashville last month to see the Mavericks at the Ryman Auditorium. I know that you are a new fan of the Mavericks. I have been a fan for years, but waited until they played my favorite venue, the Ryman, to see them in concert. It was one of the best live concerts that I have ever seen. Nine band members, including the distinctive vocals of Raul Malo, Eddie Perez on guitar, and Jerry Dale McFadden on keyboards, plus a full brass and percussion section and an upright bass that made the old church throb. Their extensive repertoire was amazing. As you pointed out, the streets and bars in downtown Nashville were packed with people having fun. Nashville is what the Twin Cities could be, but unfortunately never will be because of the current woke leadership. We walked six blocks back to our hotel at midnight after the concert without any fear of being robbed and beaten. My wife and I both commented uh, that there is no way in hell we would do that in the Twin Cities. Love your podcast. Rick from somewhere north of Duluth. I was. Uh, Rook, will you please confess what you just told me? I was going to wonder when Nashville had a basketball team, when they got a basketball team. Because you, I, I, I swear to God, when you said I went to go see the Mavericks, when the guy went to go see the Mavericks, and then you expressed interest in that, I thought, that's weird that he would, why do you, you're not a basketball guy. I'm not even joking. Mavericks would be uh, Dallas. Uh, Right now that I know that you're talking about a um, a band, a, a band, band. Yeah. I didn't know that at first, and I, I first was going, "This is really bizarre that he would want <laughs> right. an interest in the Dallas Mavericks." You I knew you were in Nashville, but I thought maybe the Mavericks were playing a Nashville team or something like that, and I really oh. it threw me for a curve. And then you started to develop. It was a a band that played. What's your music. motto for this year? Slightly better in twenty two. All right. Because, Joe, your head was down, so you couldn't see us, but you were reading the email intently, and Rook kind of raised the one eyebrow and looked at me, and he said, I, I knew right I away. I to lend her eyes a perfect C <laughs> to, shoot the, to shoot the basketball. <laughs> and uh, I said, is it basketball? Are you guys aware of streetlights out in St. Paul? I, I am. I must say I've not noticed any. I have not, and I've been in St. Paul when the... Uh, but Dave down. Okar writes, it's because of wire theft. Oh, great. There's been an increase in wire theft in streetlights since early 2021. St. Paul Public Works has been diligently working on getting the lights back up and running. However, wire has been stolen within hours of repair. In addition, the wire thieves have been damaging the internal conduits and base, which can cost more money, time, and resources to repair. If you see someone working on the streetlights, but you don't see a St. Paul Public Works truck nearby, please call the non-emergency number to report. All right. Well, how would they? I mean, where are they stealing wires from? At the base, there's, uh, I suppose, oh, a, a like knot the, the of green. Okay, yeah. a knot of wiring. I suppose there's copper wiring in there. Wow, that's a live. That's pretty light brave. Too. Yeah, because pretty brave. Yeah. I was like Jim, our guy Jim uh, Nagel from the State Fair would say, you know, you don't touch a live wire. This is from or you Chuck. Die. How things have changed. Yeah. Joe and crew, one of my Christmas gifts this year was a book called Chainsaws, A History. In the book, there was an excerpt from the Department of Army Technical Manual, which gave soldiers instructions on the proper demolition of a chainsaw to prevent enemy use during World War II. The two methods were as follows. Method number one, by explosives. A, remove and empty fire extinguishers. B, puncture the fuel tank and fuel and oil containers. C, place one-pound charge of TNT between the engine and the transmission. D, insert tetral non-electric caps with at least five feet of safety fuse at each charge place. Uh, E, ignite the fuse and take cover. F, elapsed time should be two to three minutes if charges are prepared beforehand and carried with the equipment. 
Or the second method is by gunfire. A, remove and empty the fire extinguishers. B, puncture the fuel tank and fuel and oil containers. C, fire on the equipment with 50 caliber machine guns, rifles, or grenades. Fire at the engine, destroying cylinders, fuel tank, power head, saw guide rails, tailstock, and accessories. And Chuck writes, compare this to 2021 and how the current administration left all of our equipment behind fully functioning in Afghanistan. My, how things have changed. I don't like to think about that. P.S. According to the book, the first true visible, true viable chainsaw from North America was developed in 1920 by Charles Wolfe. Hard to believe, but it was electric, of all things. Keep up the good fight, Chuck. Isn't that a great point? Isn't that a telling point about our culture and our society? The soldiers had instructions and how to destroy a chainsaw lest it fall into the hands of the enemy. Wow. And now we left behind we left everything. billions of dollars of jets mm-hmm. and helicopters. Unbelievable. Boy, it was just a different just a different mindset, wasn't it? It really was. Holy cow. And finally on another good note. Good. More uh, more positivity. Bob Cristofono writes The Cowboys 10 rules. Is this I the during my, Cowboys? No. Oh. During Christmas, my grandkid her grandkids heard Gene Autry's rendition of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That is a great rendition. They don't know who Gene was, so I Googled him. I found his 10 rules of a cowboy. We all agreed it would be a better world if we could all live by these. Here they are in case you don't remember them. The cowboy code consisted of rules that were a natural progression of Gene's philosophies going back to his first Melody Ranch programs and early pictures. According to the code, number one, the cowboy must never shoot first, hit a smaller man, or take unfair advantage. Number two, he must never go back on his word or trust confided in him. Number three, he must always tell the truth. Number four, he must be gentle with children, the elderly, and animals. Number five, he must not advocate or possess racially or religiously intolerant ideas. Number six, he must help people in distress. Number seven, he must be a good worker. Number eight, he must keep himself clean in thought, speech, action, and personal habits. Number nine, he must respect women, parents, and his nation's laws. And number 10, the cowboy is a patriot. Happy New Year, Bob from Rosemont. That's fantastic. Huh. Those are great rules. Oh, I bet They're going on the GL bulletin board. I bet here. Sourdough Slim knows every one of those oh, already. He does. Didn't He's Gene, probably got a plaque. Didn't Gene Autry own the Angels? Yes. That's mm-hmm. what I thought. Uh, now we are talking sports? I guess. Okay. Gene Autry could have a cocktail, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. How did he make his money? Uh, singing singing and movies, radio. Did you interview him ever in your time covering baseball? I might have, but you know, you keep asking me these questions about people like John Madden and Gene Autry. I'm getting to be a long way from my he's, sports uh, writing. He's starting, it's starting to fade away a little bit. No, I'm not fading away, away, but I, you know, I've written no, fifteen thousand columns. Well, I know, but I think, you uh, covered sports for what ten years at least. So I think fading away is a little accurate. You've covered a few football games. I've I been impressed by with Gene. John, John Madden, you know, you've was a pretty there, big there. figure. I thought it was yeah. a relevant yeah. question yeah. since it was our first show. Like Kenny on the rink. Yeah, I got him. I, I had a few words. I could skate. I got, I got him. <laughs> I got some words with him. I want to come back with additional news about the traveling Lymans. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Only. <laughs> yep. 
because come come on. To, they come to us from the traveling Lymans in Marloth Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa. We get this note prior to your This Day in History. Okay, let's hear. Joe, on yesterday's podcast, you read an email from Susan. We're thankful uh, she took the time to read our blog and hope she enjoys it and continues to follow us. Pre-pandemic, when we left Minnesota on Halloween, October 31st, 2012, we traveled to all seven continents, including Antarctica, also traveled to 70 different countries. Prior to COVID-19, we were able to plan our itinerary 18 to 24 months in advance. During the pandemic, this is no longer possible. Here are, here are a few examples of the necessity of changing our travel plans and having to stay in one place. During the early days of the pandemic, we spent 10 months in lockdown at a hotel room in Mumbai, India. In April of 2021, we had booked flights, safaris, etc. from Marloth Park, South Africa to Kenya. Less than a week before we were due to leave on our travels, Kenya closed its borders due to COVID. Uh, we had to cancel all our travel plans and weren't able to recoup 100% of the money we, need, we paid to these venues. Uh, in January of 2022, uh, that's right now, we had travel booked plans to travel from Marloth Park, South Africa to Tampa, Florida to attend a friend of the CP's wedding. When Omicron was discovered in South Africa, Delta canceled our flights. Delta informed us it would take 12 to 14 weeks before our money is refunded to our credit Whoa. card. Uh, to make this life affordable, we rent vacation holiday homes in the countries we visit. We stay in these countries for whatever length of time they allow U.S. citizens, giving us an ample time to learn about the country, its customs, and its people. Short-term stays don't accomplish this. We stay in each country from 30 to 60 to 90 days, depending on each country's immigration laws. Below is our itinerary from October 31st, 2021, posted on our nine-year travel anniversary directly from our site, and some dates still yet to be filed uh, filled in due to COVID. And then he sent the whole long travel itinerary, mm -hmm. which I think is Tom's way of saying to Susan, uh, it's, uh, I think it's okay if the mayor of Garage Raja calls us the traveling line. He's saying, hey we, hey, we got this. We're okay. Yeah, we got her. <laughs> On you. this day. Today. What is it? 1854. January 4th. Mm -hmm. The Territorial Agricultural Society held its first meeting. The group evolves into the State Agricultural Society, the governing body of the Minnesota State Fair. On the same day, the 5th Territorial Legislate, Legislator, Legislature convened in an official Capitol building for the first time. In 1874, on this day, 1874, <laughs> the Catholic Industrial School is incorporated. The school begins operations in 1877 on the shores of St. Paul's Lake Meneth, since drained and now the site of the University of St. Thomas. In 1879, the school moved to Clontarf, where Franciscan teachers instructed white and Native American boys in agriculture and industrial arts. Funding for such institutions is later cut, and the school would be sold to the federal government in 1897. Lake Manitham. I can't get over that there was a lake. It was a lake. It's a, I've University seen the old pictures. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. It'd be right in the middle of the where the campus is. Okay. And on this day in 1920, 20. William E. Colby is born in St. Paul. He would serve as director of the Central Intelligence Agency from 1973 to 1976 under Presidents Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford. Ooh, tough timing, huh? Richard Colby, born yeah. in St. Paul St. on this Paul's day, own. Yeah. January 4th, 1920.
Thank you, GLers. Well, you know, we've picked up the pace, haven't we? In this day in history. We're, we're starting me? to see more things Do you develop. Think we took some hey. time off for the holidays. Is that what it was, basically? No. But see, if we keep better. doing them from year to year to year, they'll all be we will, we will have heard them all before. Right? Slightly better in 2022. That's what we're, that's, after. That's what we're after. Right. When so. are we getting those new drops? That's a great question. One day closer. One day closer? Well, I honestly, better. I'd love to answer you. I have no idea. Hmm. I, I wasn't put in charge of that particular uh, endeavor. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. If you're looking for new endeavors, you can go to PodMN on your smartphone, and you can find all sorts of podcasts. There's a lot of great podcasts to listen to, and a lot of them are generated right here out of our own studios, uh, sister studios. we got all sorts of people working on podcasts. So check them out, PodMN on your smartphone. You may be enlightened, entertained, or... I don't know. Um, agitated, annoyed. Agitated, annoyed. You might hate the podcast and never listen to it again. <laughs> At least you'll know. Podamen.com. Also subscribe to YouTube on the uh, uh, the Garage Logic YouTube page. Super easy to do. Go to YouTube, punch in Garage Logic, and subscribe. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and of course Facebook. A lot of fun things on Facebook. Check them all out. Facebook Garage Logic, Instagram Garage Logic, Twitter Garage Logic, and the Superface. Right, Joe. We're uh-huh. not Superface. Right. Superface. Whatever that is. Yep. yep. Got her. It is that time once again in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. GLers, it's a new year. That's exactly what you should do today to get off on the right foot for that free 48-minute financial consultation. And you do so just like I did by calling 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. You call that number and you get Mr. Money Talk directly. And you also get straight talk. You're never going to get sugar-coated advice. And Josh is with us once again here in Garage Rod's Logic and Josh, a new year, but the same old, same old. Of course, it's the same old, same old. And I think it might be the same old, same old throughout much of 2022, Chris, with worries about the coronavirus and its variants. Fort comes out tonight that the number of new cases is over a million daily. Testing sites are just out of control with super long lines. And you can't even just walk in anymore. Uh, many of the walk-in sites, you now need an appointment to get tested. Yes, this new variant, which is spreading like a common cold with many more people indoors, not outdoors, is wrecking a little bit of havoc with the markets as concerns come up. There are going to be more shutdowns in the economy. People aren't going to work or may not want to go to work because of fear of this virus. The unvaccinated, that number still has not gone down. So that's still a higher number. And those people are getting infected a lot worse than those people that have been vaccinated. My guess, and I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, this virus is going to be with us for a very long time. It is going to be used as a market excuse on a daily and or weekly basis, which leads to the second concern, and that is if there's a slowdown in the economy, an interruption again with the supply chain, which I think is working its way out, and demand is still very high for products, not so much services, then prices are going to go up, which will cause the Fed, even though it might worry about still some contractions in labor, 
lever to focus on rising prices and start raising interest rates. And as interest rates go up, horror upon horrors, go sell some of the most profitable companies I believe still offer plenty of long-term opportunity in the tech sector, whether it's with some of my favorites, whether it's Apple or Amazon, Microsoft, or some of the semiconductor names, which don't pay dividends. So these are stocks that on those worries, combination of the spread of the Omicron virus and worries about what the Fed is going to do with interest rates. And we'll find out a little bit more about the Fed tomorrow when they release their latest minutes of their meeting. And that will be perused with a fine tooth comb to see when the Fed is going to be tightening, when interest rates are going to go up, et cetera, et cetera. With the rising of interest rates, bank stocks have been going up. Banks have not been a place that I've wanted to invest in, despite some of the low price earnings multiples on some of them, such as Goldman Sachs. But they're still selling to me at relatively high price to sales ratios. And quite frankly, if they couldn't make money when interest rates were low and there was still plenty demand for money, when interest rates are high, maybe that demand goes away. So the only way they're going to make money is what? In investing short term? Well, if you buy bonds, and this is something we've cautioned against, if you're buying bonds in a rising interest rate environment, values go down unless you're in very, very short-term bonds. Speaking of which, favorite Apple, which to me is more of a consumer discretionary company. Some people look, they'll look at it as a hardware company as they still get 50% of their revenue from selling hardware, the balances from selling services. Apple hit a new high the other day before dropping back. It hit a $3 trillion valuation. Numerous people are commenting on this. I think uh, the valuation goes higher still. As I've said for a long time, I have a $200 price target on this. Apple, with the amount of cash that they have in the till, do you think that cash is sitting idly and not earning any interest? Do you think this is not invested the same way that banks might invest it in shorter term treasuries that are going to roll over and as interest rates go over on the short term? Yes, but Apple is able to collect some more yield on that money. That to me is a positive. Apple's had ability to raise their their dividend, another positive, and they still have high demand products and services, but the amount of cash they have and its position worldwide as a company opens it up for a lot of government scrutiny, and that scrutiny continues. So that, to me, is the biggest risk with Apple. Going forward, I still like names involved in the internet, leisure-related names, China-related businesses, and investing in real assets such as real estate, not to mention doing a little short-term trading. As we go forward, name some more names. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Pick up the phone and make the call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation by calling 952-925-5608. Josh, as always, thanks for the time in the chat. Happy New Year to you, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.